What is up, everybody? We are back. I'm taking the intro today. I am here with the Chris Beggar. 1986, was it? Hula Hoop Team Ontario bronze medalist. Bronze? Come on, give me more credit, dude. It was a bronze. These hips don't lie. There you go. But here with Beggar. How you doing, Beg? I'm good, man. You? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, big day. Big Hall of Fame day. So pretty cool to uh, to see that kind of transpire. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I'll send mm-hmm. over to you. Your thing. Do your thing. Yeah, let's do it. I, I mean, that was that was good. I like that. I, I got to sit back and just listen to you give the intro. I like that. But uh, all right, number 30. Oh, I got I to gotta bring these up here. Okay, number 30. Uh, we're going to fly through this because we actually got a lot to talk about today. We got Orlando Cepeda, Hall of Famer, Tim Raines. There's our Canadian connection playing for the Montreal Expos. Nolan Ryan, who I think about as being number 34, but he wore number 30 between 68 and 79 with the Mets and Angels. Current uh, manager, Craig Council. Craig Council, sorry. Yep, Council. Both Griffies, senior and junior, wore 30. Again, Griffey, junior, I think of number 24, but he wore number 30 for six years with the Reds. I'm thinking that that was in honor of his father, who wore 30 mm-hmm. also with the Reds. So Dennis Martinez, El Presidente, the author of A Perfect Game. Maglio Ordonez and Willie Randolph, a couple of good careers right there. Current guys, Will Benson, good prospect. You saw Greg good. Maddox in there? For number 30? Yeah, wasn't he? Uh, if he was, it wasn't for long. I want to say he was 31, maybe. I thought he, he was 30. I usually pick out guys who didn't like, because there are always like guys who wore it for like one season or something like that. So I started to filter those out. I went for guys who wore it for like a bunch of years. Uh, Will Benson, good uh, young player with the Reds. Jake Berger, your favorite player, Alejandro Kirk. Yeah, baby. Nathaniel Lowe, Grayson Rodriguez, like that arm with the Orioles. And uh, maybe the best all-around player here, Kyle Tucker. Yeah, solid. Good dude right there. All right, 1930. This is this is a pretty crazy year. I like this one. So although the Great Depression was hitting the economy, Bill Terry and the rest of the offense in the big leagues, it was not affecting them. He hit 401 with the New York Giants. 14 players had an OPS of over 1,000, where if you remember last week, 1929, 12 players had an OPS. 17 players hit over 350, including Heine Manouche. And I will never, ever pass up an opportunity to say Heine Manouche. Four players and one manager were actually named Heine that year, which I'm thinking, Willow, that's a name that's got to come back. So your firstborn. Heine? It's got to be Heine. Could be I both sexes too. Could, you know. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Although I don't know if Heine you... Willow? <laughs> Outstanding. There you go. Six players had over 150 RBIs. Three players had more than 170 including Hack Wilson, who still holds the record for RBIs with 191. He also hit 356 with 56 pumps that year. Decent year. First of all, no le- I, I, no love, I love that you're saying pumps now because you never used to say it. I, I never I did. Say it, I love that. I did. Yeah, I get feel on younger. the train. Yeah, pumps, man. How about this? The National League collectively hit 303 that year. Yeah. That's, In that's why you can't compare players from back no, then you can't. to today. But in 2023, just for comparison's sake, uh, both leagues combined hit 248. Okay. Versus 303. How about this? Red Crest, never heard of him. No real reason to. He stole three bases all year and was caught 12 times. Three for 15. At what point do you say, hey, Red, let's uh, let's put a rope on it there. Let's put the leash on it. You never know. It could have been Spore. a couple like 12 hit and runs that the guy behind him just didn't execute. Did they have hit and run back then? God damn it, Jimmy. 12th time all year. <laughs> Lefty Grove won the pitching triple crown. 28-5 record with a 2-5-4 and 209 punch outs. Decent year. Thumbs up. No idea. The Philadelphia Phillies had a team ERA, flip side of what Lefty Grove did, of 671, which is the worst ever recorded in the modern era. This is a pretty good game. July 24th, the Cubs beat the Phillies 19-15 to and still has the record for the most runs in a game without a home run being hit. There were only two extra base hits. The interesting part of that was that the game was played at the Baker Bowl in Philadelphia, where right field, Willow, no home runs, 1915, right field was 281 feet. 
Right center field was 300. Nobody could get one out. And the Philadelphia Athletics beat the St. Louis Cardinals four games to two to win the World Series. Now, I got something kind of different for this week, too. And this is kind of interesting because this is just, I, I feel like this is just fate. Okay, this is fate. If you don't believe in fate or didn't believe in fate, you will now. I decided like to do a little like, hey, let's see what happened on January 24th in baseball. That's the release date of this pod. January 24th, the first thing I come across is that in 1910, Johnny Dickshot was born. No. Johnny Dickshot, an outfielder for Pittsburgh, the Giants, and the Chicago White Sox. Not, is it, it wasn't enough just to be named Johnny Dickshot, who along with Heine Manoush, I don't think will ever pass up the opportunity to say their name. Johnny Dickshot's nickname was ugly. Oh, cum shot? Not, not quite. Ugly. Got, yeah. Like, cut the guy, cut the guy a break. Yeah, the name. Well, I, mean, I would take a name like that. You're good. You're yeah. Oh yeah, your fan favorite. There we go. Also on January twenty fourth in nineteen Dick Shot Willow. Here he comes. Dick Willow. So you got Heine Dickshot. That might be maybe Heine Dickshot Willow. There you go. First born. I'll run it by McKenna after this. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. Okay. 1950, Jackie Robinson signed a $35,000 contract with the Dodgers, making him the highest paid player in team history. So not only was he obviously having to dealing with racism, now amongst his team, which some were not a fan of having him on the team, they, I'm assuming, knew that he's getting paid more than them as well. I would love to know how that went over. I'd love to hear stories about that. Yeah, but the numbers sure numbers true. numbers don't lie. Sure. I think we should stop this combo right here actually. Right on that? Why? Well, I don't rest? want to get into ri- yeah, well. Oh, oh, that one. I thought yeah. you meant the rest of 1924. No, keep going. Or sorry, uh number 24. I yeah. thought that was interesting. 1955. This is I thought this was pretty cool. I mean, I thought that the pitch clock was a new thing. No, the pitch clock has been talked about for over 100 years. And in 1955, Major League Baseball experimented with a 20-second pitch clock in spring training. You know, that pitch clock started once the pitcher assumed a pitching position. So <laughs> that's a long time to be standing there yeah. in a pitching position. But there were, the thing was that there was no real repercussions or penalties. So, you know, it wasn't really getting called, this and that. And it kind of just kind of, eh kind of ran its course through spring training and nothing ever came of it. But I thought that was interesting that, you know, what's that, 70, over 70 years ago? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of came up not quite 70 years ago. In 1973, Warren Spahn was elected to the Hall of Fame on January 24th. And a guy that we've talked about as being an underrated player, in 1989, Whit Merrifield was born. Love Whit. Yeah. 2006 on January 24th, Barry Bonds pulled out of the WBC. I think it's probably because he knew that the Canadians were coming and they were going to beat the U.S. that year. No thanks to me, but I was on that team. I think, actually, yeah, I just didn't want to piss in a cup again. Uh, who knows, eh? Hey, eh? Yeah, who knows? Hey? 2012, the Giants and Tim Lincecum agreed to a two-year $40.5 million deal that dodged a possible record arbitration decision. And on the same day, same year, 2012, Prince Fielder signed a nine-year $214 million deal with Detroit. Decent. Forgot about that. It's a big deal. Now, here's some relevant information given what day it is. Um, In 2018, Chipper Jones, Jim Tomei, Trevor Hoffman and Vladdy Sr. were all elected to Hall of Fame, as was Scott Rowland in 2023. Nice. And there is on this day, January 24th. I thought that's kind of cool. I think I kind of like it because you always see things that you wouldn't necessarily or players or topics that you wouldn't always talk about. So it kind of brings it up again. So I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and you get to talk more. That I don't love. Feel free to take the reins at any point here, man. Okay, but I do have one more thing to say before we get to quick hits. Yep. I have to. I mean, last week, um, you know, we had Tassoni on with us, and we talked about the Baseball Canada Banquet. I knew it was going to happen. We kind of talked about guys we saw and this and that. And and uh, are you are you showing a nipple right now? Is yeah. that a nipple on the screen? 
It's a dick shot. Good God. Dick shot, hiney, manouche, and nipple. Okay. I failed to mention one of my favorite guys to see every year there, Dustin Mulligan. And Molly is a listener of the pod, so got to give him a shout out. Love seeing him. Love the guy. Unbelievable dude. Great career and a great story. Did he listen to the pod and hit you up like, dude, you saw me last week? No, he uh, didn't actually. And I was, but I just felt bad. So Molly, if you're you listening, Molly. send me a message. Miss you, love He's probably you. not and listening after last week. This will be the one. Yeah, let's be like, I'm God out. God damn it, Baggy didn't mention me. I'm out, man. No, quit. Nice. But that's going to do it for the 24. So why don't we get into our quick hits? Okay, we got um, a few signings, but the, the big news of the day was obviously the Hall of Fame election. Um, news came out, three guys were elected, Adrian Beltre, um, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton. You good with those guys? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I, I was talking to someone today actually at my practice, and it's so tough, and I think we talked about this when we talked about the Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago, but... Um, it's so tough because everyone who's on that list is like, I mean, making that list in the first place, getting on the ballot, like every guy on that list is, you know, a stud. Right. And I think people mm-hmm. start picking from there, but I mean, regardless, and especially look at the voting, like the top just loaded, but yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was pretty yeah content with the three, like I, you know, not many challenges there. So I thought it was, uh, yeah, pretty cool to see those three guys go in and, and also to on Twitter, see those, uh, See, I think I don't know if it's on for for Maurer, but I know for the other two there was videos of them getting the call, which is pretty cool. I saw Helton's. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. Todd Helton's. They're, they're always. I think that's one of the cool things with social media because I remember Scott Rollins from like last year and everything. That was yeah. that was a neat one too. And I actually saw a recent one of Tony Gwynn's, mm-hmm. which was really cool. So yeah, yeah Beltre was. I mean, we knew that one was going to happen. Everybody else was up in the air. Yeah, um, Helton was up in the air. Maurer was up in the air, and then. Two guys that were right on the right on the fringe the whole time and ultimately didn't get voted in. Billy Wagner and Gary. Now Billy Wagner, that was his ninth year on the ballot. He ended up at seventy three point eight percent. He missed it by five votes. So, I, and to I, think I, that Bartolo got five. Bartolo, I mean, he's a guy that I I kind of wish got it, but I do, I do and I don't. He's just like a cult hero, right? Yeah. An interesting career, but um, yeah, nonetheless, Billy. So I think that means next year he probably gets in. Yeah, you'd think. Um, on the flip side, it was Sheffield's 10th year, ends up with 63.9% and is now done off of the BBWAA ballot. And it will go to what is it, the Veterans Committee? Um, I think he should be in. Yeah, it's tough. I know. Both Especially those that, guys, I think, should be in. And I, I know it's not supposed to be structured this way, but on your last year, you'd think, nah, maybe it's... A little bit maybe, of a soft spot? Yeah, you know, a little bit of a charity event. Toss him a bone, you know. he deserve, It's not like he's, like, at the bottom of this list. You know, he's right there. So, interesting. Any other surprises there for you? Any guys... I mean, the breakdown, was there any guys who you thought were too high or too low just in voting? Um. Yeah. There are okay. Give me, give I mean, me, give me one guy you thought too high and too low. Okay, well, I think Andrew Jones should be in. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So anything below seventy five percent to mm-hmm. me is too low. Um, you know, I started looking at numbers too, like a while ago, and I don't recall them all. But Carlos Belter, I'm, I'm also easily influenced, so I see people be like, "Yeah, they should be in," and this is why I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." And then other people be like, "No, they shouldn't be in this way." I'd be like, "Yeah, you're." Probably right. No, they don't deserve to be in. But Carlos Beltran's numbers and everything, the career that he, I didn't realize, I don't think, how good of a career he had. Mm-hmm. So he's one, too, that I think maybe should be. Now, I've softened all my stance from, you know, 20 years ago or whatever on steroid guys. So I do feel like A Rod, Manny, and the rest of guys who are not, you know, all the Bonds and Clemens and all that. I think it's time. Yeah, know. I agree. Just to appreciate what they did on the field. Yeah, Manny and Aaron are the two that I thought like I know I know the steroid piece fits in there, but the two guys yeah. who I thought was low, who I thought was high. Can you take a guess, pitcher? It's pitched. I mean, it's pitched on the Jays. 
I mean, I'm looking at the list right now. Hi. Oh, it's got to be Burley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, solid arm. But, and it's funny because he's came in an interview saying that he doesn't think he's a Hall of Famer. Right. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised to see, I mean, 32 votes, nothing crazy. But still, I was like, damn. 8.3%. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's one of those things where if you look at it based on what he did and the longevity of his career and the consistency Mm-hmm. It was a big thing, I think, right? And and the overall numbers, just because of that consistency, it's like, hmm, yeah, he had a really good career. Now, I've got one that I think is too low and ended up right above him, if you're looking at that list. Andy Pettit. I thought that was another Andy guy Pettit. I would have said, He's yeah. A, so my first thought when I think of Hall of Famers is, do I think that they were, I mean, I don't want to say the best of their generation, but you know, the upper echelon, the top power, whatever you want to say, 5%, 2% of players in their generation. I feel like Andy Pettit was like mm-hmm. as a lefty, his playoff success and everything. Um, I feel like he was one of those guys. So, I mean, is he in or out? I, th- I think I would vote for him. But regardless, I feel like 13.5% of the vote is really low. Yeah, I would agree. But anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there are, uh, I think I could have easily voted for 10. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, moving on from there. Let's go to signings. Because there were a bunch over the past week. One of the first ones, now I don't know a whole lot about him. Jay signed Yariel Rodriguez, Cuban um, pitcher who pitched in Japan for a few years. Looked at the numbers. Numbers are good. Looks like he's been a swing Korea, guy. Korea, wasn't it? Was uh, he a KBO guy? No, I think it was Japan. I believe. Oh, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. All right. Man, keep go. going. I'll look it up. You keep talking. Okay, you look it up. I had it up. I thought I had it up on baseball reference still, but I don't. Um, but he has started. Last year he relieved. Numbers have always been pretty good. Like just under 10 punch outs per nine. Walks are slightly inflated, but nothing crazy. But he signs a four-year deal for $32 million. I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Goddamn right I am. By the way, those are my favorite words that anybody can say to me. I don't know if the Jays have him slotted as an option to start or if he's a bullpen arm. My gut tells me bullpen, but they don't really have a set fifth starter right now. So I guess it could be an experiment and see... See how it goes, but that's... Yeah, Ricky's coming. They don't got to worry. That's kind of what I'm hoping for, to tell you the truth. But, uh, I I mean, give him two years with Bassett, three with Gossman, four, whatever it is, with uh, Barrios, and like four or five with Barrios. And uh, who else is there? Ah, Kikuchi. Ryu? uh, Ryu's gone. Oh, yeah, he is. He'd be a free agent. Forgot about that. But regardless, some good veteran guys there to learn from. Yeah. So I'm, I'd be fine with Tiedemann coming up. Yeah, absolutely. The Astros, big signing. Josh Hader off the board, five-year, $95 million deal based on current money that's the highest paid for a reliever, mm-hmm. beating Edwin Diaz because some of his was deferred money um, or future money, I guess. But it's the – I mean, that's it's huge. Yeah. That's a big one for the Astros. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him and Presley, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, one and one A. Yeah. Do you think Hater's your, I think, I feel like Hater's your closer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a a dominant Presley is, you know, when he's on, he's on, but. He's legit. No doubt. It's tough, but not a bad problem to have. Not a bad problem. Maybe you just look at the lineup. We got two lefties coming up. Hater's uh, Hater's going to close this game too, right? He's got Mm -hmm. Presley. Pretty, pretty, like you said, good, good problem. The Angels signed Robert Stevenson. Three years, $33 million with an option for 2027. I knew nothing about Robert Stevenson. Me neither. And I looked at, I mean, he had. But it just does not surprise me what organization signed this guy. No, I mean, and actually, I don't know if it does or not. I guess with the money, three year, 33 million. He, he's had half of a year that was really good mm-hmm. in his career, really. And to get paid for that, like an elite, you know, we'll say an upper tier reliever. I mean, that's, I mean, good for him. Yeah. Absolutely. And I hope it works out. Like, I mean, I like to see guys do well, <clears throat> but I, I don't know. And yeah, maybe, maybe I would have expected, uh, 
lower rung tier, at least, you know, financially speaking. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I mean, the Angels got to fill a roster. They got to do something. <clears throat> so he's going there. Another closer, or at least a f- former closer, Aroldis Chapman, goes to the Pirates on a one-year, $10.5 million deal. Interesting. Yeah, I would, I would have thought it would have been more of a contender pick there from him, especially kind of how it's been going the last couple of years. But, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I've kind of fallen out of favor with Chapman. I, would, I mean, when he was back in his heyday with, you know, like the Reds and Yankees and stuff like that, I really liked him. But then kind of since then, I don't know. I haven't been fully on board with it. Yeah, I mean, last year the Velo came back, but the numbers didn't really follow, which uh, was a little unfortunate. But, again, a guy who's t- tons of postseason experience. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of an odd signing, but we'll see how he does there in, in Pittsburgh. And huge arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huge everything. Well, I don't have that report. I, can take, a, I can take an educated guess. <laughs> well, you got a Brandon Belt type picture out there uh, when he's on the mound. <clears throat> All right, next next signing. The Dodgers signed James Paxton to a one-year $11 million deal. Good news for the Canuck right there. Big Maple. <clears throat> Sounds like he's healthy right now. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, so the Dodgers just sign another starter who has the chance of being... Another like, older starter. They love to do that legit. every year. <clears throat> I mean, if he if he does well, if, I mean, how many starters do they have? Seven? Six? Eight? I don't know. Yeah, but you, minus three because it's, yeah, mm-hmm. mandatory three starting injuries for them on the rotation there. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Six-day rotations maybe with Yamamoto. Who knows? But, uh, again, good option to have. Nationals just signed Joey Gallo today. One-year, $5 million deal. I'm I'm out. I'm out, too. I, I still think oh. the number is lower than I expected. I thought he would have got a little more than that. but uh, Agreed. I think I agree there. I don't know. I, I think, yeah. It's it just caught up to him the last couple of years. And a guy who at once was, you know, I mean, you look back at the numbers, like, he, he never really was. I think just because of his power, that's kind of what put him on the map, right? Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, he hit 177 last year. Exactly. OPS of 101. There so you go. it was like an average, I guess, for production wise, really. Um, but I, I've always had a problem fundamentally of guys who hit under 200. Yeah. That's, that's tough. But here we are. Um, here's another signing. Toronto's favorite player, Rugi Odor, but he's not playing in the big leagues. He's going over to the Yomiri Giants in the Japanese league. So peace out, Rugi. Go punch people over there. Adios. Here's a great signing and it's off the field. Adam Wainwright joins the Fox broadcast crew as full-time analyst. Love this. Yeah. This is fantastic. I, it's getting more popular, and, and like football, especially, like it seems like that's yeah. the thing. Especially good players now, it's like, you know, you're done. You're an analyst, you know. You yeah. get picked up somewhere. I'm waiting for the Dodgers to start mixing that into their contracts. Um, yeah, well, it'll be deferred. Yeah, yeah, deferred uh, analyst position you know, with uh, with whatever like station it. they have there. But yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I. It, it's Love not. It. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good analysts, people out there who haven't played at a high level and are very mm-hmm. good at their job, but it is always, number one, you take, you know, when, when they're saying something, you kind of really listen to it, right? Because you know they've been there, they've been through it. But then number two, like just the stories in the background and stuff like that, I always, I, I love watching guys who played, especially at a high level, yes. especially who are really good. So I like that. Yeah, I love it. Somebody who's current and everything mm-hmm. like that. But um, <clears throat> yep, love that sign when I heard it. I think he's just... Good. Maybe he'll sing on the air. He does that. Uh, he did the anthem opening day last year, right? And he had a concert at the end of the year. Yeah, and doesn't he have an album coming out? Or he maybe does, it did yeah. come out or something like that? I mean, I hate these guys that are just like uber talented at everything they do. I know. Baseball, is baseball and hula have been for you, huh, bud? <laughs> you should see me. You should see me. That wasn't part of our quick hits, but I guess it made its way into it. Yeah. But that's going to do it for the quick hits, man. It is. I, I messed up. I am. I, I took the opener today. I forgot to give a little teaser and, and beggar. I'll give it now. But yeah. 
Yeah, we've got an unbelievable interview coming up for everybody today. Last week, we were able to sit down with uh, Michael Saunders, the former Blue Jay and other teams. but uh, Lambert we Park were... Line as well, too. Oh, out in BC, British Columbia, boy. We actually sat uh, in the same seat in our social studies, not the same year, but I remember I sat down and Mr. Turnbull said, hey, Michael Saunders sat right there a couple years back. Was his name on the desk? It was not, but he gave, he, I don't know if he was BSing me or not, but I took it. Okay, this means something. That's pretty good. It is pretty cool. A so. couple decent ball players. I'll put you in that category. Yeah, there you go. But he um, he sat down with Tassoni, actually, and Cho. They uh, they did an unbelievable interview with him. And I, I was sitting there, actually, just in the background. And I promise you, this is an interview you don't want to miss. He tells a fantastic story that I was locked in. I was locked in and I could just feel, you could feel the environment in the story that he was telling. And that's, I will say. So that's all I'll say. So um, yeah, enjoy that interview. Um, we're going to throw it to that right now. And that's going to do it for another week, Willow. So until next time, enjoy it. And we will talk to you in one week. Today, I'm joined by uh, former Major League Baseball player Michael Saunders, former Major League Baseball player Renee Tassoni. So just want to welcome you guys for uh, taking this time to have a conversation with me. And we're going to talk baseball uh, because I find you guys have very interesting stories. Uh, Tassoni, you know uh, Mike pretty well as well. Um, we go back. Yeah, yeah you guys All go way back. School. So yeah. it, it, it's the perfect cast to kind of have this conversation. So again, thank you, uh, Sando for, you know, sitting in on this. Um, I want to just kind of, uh, introduce how we met. <laughs> right. And then maybe, uh, introduce how you know, to Sony. So if you could go through kind of like how we met, I, I vaguely remember it. The way I remember it is at the time, uh, I was with the Seattle Mariners. Um, and I was sent down to Everett, Washington, uh, in short season in Northwest league. And, there was this uh, Canadian kid, young kid. I think you were 18 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. I was 22, so I was a bit older for short season A, but um, pretty standard college guy. And then I met you. That's how I recall it. Uh, but how? what do you yeah, remember? You had a little bit more dirt on your spikes at that time. Definitely like that saltier college guy. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they say that like, getting called out by a teammate goes a lot further than getting called out by your coach, right. which is so true. And that's the, that is like my main memory of you. You were the first teammate to ever call me out. I was going through like, you know, fresh, fresh out of junior college, never sort of really failing at baseball right. to get my teeth punched in and, and professional. <laughs> and I think I had like 20, 25 ABs. I punched out like 18 times and <clears throat> I was just this 18 year old, like, what was me feeling sorry for myself? And I'll never forget it. Dude. You you came up to me. You kind of had enough. And uh, I, you know, can I can I say exactly what you said? Absolutely. You said, "Sando, stop being such a little bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and and lo and behold, I clearly got him traded like a week later. <laughs> uh, no, but that was that was True like story. A, that was like a wake up call for me. I'm like, holy shit! Here's this Canadian guy calling me a little bitch like <laughs> okay. um yeah you, you, like i had to grow up quick man. yeah it so so the backstory behind that was uh from my perspective i was um you know in the inland empire in the california league and this was my fourth team that season and it, it was june july -ish, tough, or july around. Tough, yeah. yeah so i'm bitter here and uh pedro greifel who's who was our manager yep. at the time. He's yep. the manager for the Chicago White Sox White now. Sox now, yeah. I think yeah, second so year, he yeah. was, he came up to me and he was like, hey, I thought Canadian kids were, were, were built differently. Yeah. What's up with your boy Saunders? And I was, I had a chip on my shoulder. I wasn't happy. I hated baseball at the time. Oh, yeah. And oh, here yeah. is this 18-year-old Canadian kid that was kind of like sulking, I guess. He's a spoon-fed 18-year-old <laughs> But uh, That's yeah. what I would call it too, yeah, for sure. <laughs> spoon-fed. So, so how, how do you and, and Tassoni know each other? Uh, we go back just playing days. Yeah, like high school. Like yeah. we, I was with the Coquitlam Reds growing up and he oh, was- West Coast boys. Eh? Yeah, he was- What a grad year that was, hey? 04? Yep, 04. Yeah. Like there was, was a lot a of draft picks yeah. that year, but yeah, it was Who just- Who else? Uh, Bobby Scott. Oh yeah, Bobby Scott. Jay's Jordan like Lennon. Yeah, Lenny. Um, 
Mike Goss you, ended yourself, up getting myself Goss made to AAA, right? Yeah, but not at high school. He was college. Guy. No, but, but my, yeah, you know that, that like for, for for B or Canada in general, let alone BC. Yeah, that's that's pretty legit. Yeah, just for one draft class, and then you had guys like Francis and Lowen a couple years before that. And, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like just playing days, going back, and uh, you know, I I grew up on the island, so it was always Victoria, like against the world in BC, <laughs> and and he was the the big one of the big three headed monsters there with Schaefer and uh, Goss, right? Schaefer, Schumacher, too. Yeah, you guys pitchers. were good. I yeah. think we beat you in the finals, though. You definitely did. I remember yeah. you hitting two homers against us over my head. I was playing left field. Oh, no, I was playing third base. And I just remember you going oppo at Mundy Park. You and, said it. Yeah. yeah. You said it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I was pissed because I didn't like Mike. I played with him on Team BC. We didn't like each other, no. no. Yeah. Well, I think he liked me, but I didn't like him. No, okay. <laughs> uh, we played together with on Team BC and stuff like that. And, and Saunders was the guy, the dude. He was, yeah. you know, six four, six five through ninety, whatever. Played well around the infield Handsome. and the outfield. Yeah, I was gonna, I was getting there. Okay, Good okay. fellow. Yeah. Ran well. Uh, yeah, we played on Team BC and then Team Canada. Bunch grade, of Team Canada. Yeah, grade eleven and twelve on Team yeah. Canada, and then uh, yeah, and then kind of. Once we went to college, like he was at Tallahassee and I was at Chipola. And I couldn't get rid of this guy, man. It just seemed like we were playing against each other all the time yeah. and only two Canadians in the south, you know, North Florida. And, and that's when we yeah, actually like started, we hanging, started out. hanging out because Chipola was only, what, 45 minutes up the highway from Tallahassee? Yeah, 45 so minutes. So you guys would come into town. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing in Chipola. Uh, no, nothing. Nothing. Literally. Yeah. And my college- roommates were like huge football fans. So we go to SFU or uh, FSU. 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 Yeah, and, State, yeah. yeah. And then... We end up just like running into each other all the time. Florida State was my neck of the so woods. You, so you guys were there for a year each, or I was two years, two I years, think and then one year, one year, I and left then you're after gone. one year. But yeah. that's when we actually like, and we, you know, we just grew up a little bit yeah, too. Right. But that's when I think uh, we started hanging out. Yeah. You know, when you came down with Tyler Flowers. Yep. Yeah, a long time catcher in the big leagues. Anyways, that was a good team, Chipola. But you guys came out to hang out in yeah. Florida, uh, in Tallahassee, because FSU's there, right? right, right and right. Uh, when I say nothing's in Chipola, nothing. nothing but yeah. the college. That's why they started so coming hanging out, and we just you know hung out after games and like typical Canadians, you know, right. we we battle on the field, we have a couple beers afterwards, and I think that's when our relationship started like yeah. growing. I like, don't know how often we played there, to, with with each other after that, like just Team Canada stuff, running into each other. We never ran into each other pro ball until the big leagues. Yeah, Did we, were we in the futures game together? No, I was 07. 07, I was oh nine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We just just kept in touch. Yeah, and, so so. It seems like like with it's common for all of us. Baseball Canada seems to kind of be that glue that keeps us kind of like hanging out because we see each other coming back, staying yeah, in, touch, in, yeah. In, in the banquet. So yeah. w- that's actually why we're here this weekend. Yeah, it's a yeah. big weekend, no doubt. And I didn't know this, and I apologize because I should should have known this. And Renee actually didn't know this either. <laughs> but you're getting awarded with a pretty big award this weekend, which is um, the Baseball Canada Wall of Excellence. Yeah. So I I can't define what that is, but I know a select few of very, very big time names are on that list. And you're the 12th person recipient to receive this award, which is happening tonight. Um, tell me about kind of like what that feels like, I guess, what that means to you. Uh, it's a very big award because you got guys like Larry Walker, Joey Votto. I don't know, you know why um, the heck my name got chosen. Oh, I'll you're you're that. you're a Canadian. You're you're to, Captain Canada. To, oh, ha. To no, to be. I mean, like you were you were leading into it, but like it's pretty humbling, and and I'm super honored, obviously. But you know, like playing catch with your dad in the backyard, you never dream of something like right. that happening. And you know, being naive, I guess I didn't even know how you got to the big leagues. And played on TV until I was like a junior in high school. Right, right. I didn't even know there was a draft, you know, like that's how just ignorant I was to the fact. And you never think it's ever going to get to this this place, you know. But, uh, you know, Greg gave me the call and completely honored. And, um, you know, to have my name next to those guys that you were naming, like, right. you know, we have actual Hall of Famers, right? Right, right. You know, <laughs> Larry Walkers, those guys that are up there. And, uh, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, pretty special, but – Never thought that this day would would come when I was just playing catch in in the backyard as a six seven year old with my dad. You know? Right, right. Were were you on the junior national team, the eighteen under team? You you were right. Yeah, yeah we so played together. Yeah, that's where grade we're, eleven and twelve. Yeah, both of us. yeah. So we're same age, same okay. grad year. Um, and and we played team BC together. Yeah, Windsor. Yep. 
Where was where was the national tournament? It was Ontario somewhere. It was Windsor. Windsor. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then uh and so grade eleven. Right. Grade eleven was first year. I think grade eleven was first year for you too, right? Yeah, we were Cur- Curacao, yeah. Cuba yeah. trip and yep. did you ever win an MVP award? No, but I did. No, no you're, but but that's, that was my point. You're sitting between two junior national team did MVPs. You? I'm, I, huh? Did you? Uh, I can't no, not junior, not junior. Yeah. Um, on the senior team, double WBC. Yeah, though. so you're wedged yeah. in between. Yeah, I saw you're wedged in between two that. junior national team, former national team MVPs, and now you're winning this Wall of Excellence award. So it's uh, it's it's all baseball panda get, related. I need to get your autograph. <laughs> oh, that was my point. You have to find it on eBay. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So walk us through, I guess, uh, kind of like for me, what baffles me kind of is when you were when you signed with Seattle and that was your first professional game. Going back to that uh, time I met you for the first time. Yeah, Everett, yeah. Everett, Washington. You were 18 years old still and you already had a year of college baseball. Mm-hmm. So you're a 17 year old college baseball player. Mm hmm. So for me, that's that's pretty young. Like you're yeah. you're doing things that people were still in high school, right? So how was that transition going into kind of like a high school setting in Victoria, which is not even Vancouver and not, <laughs> not in a bad way? Yeah. Dude. I was at it's a double high school. Yeah, and yeah. then going to Tallahassee, Florida, mm-hmm. and then going in Everett, Washington. That transition of kind of like as a baseball player, as a kid, mm-hmm. to kind of like okay, I'm a professional baseball player. Yeah, so I so like you alluded to, I graduated a year early. I was seventeen, um, and then I went to Tallahassee, and and I got drafted out of high school by the Mariners, and um, I knew they were going to offer me something. This was still when the draft and follow were around, but my scout was saying, "No, they're going to offer you something. They want you to sign." You know, we're we're currently negotiating what that is, and so you know, I took a couple days, and I realized I knew I was young. Um, I knew I had success in BC and, and, you know, at that level, uh, playing against, you know, guys on the mainland and everything, but I didn't know what, where I was going to stack up to against, you know, the big boys in in the U S right. So I wasn't physically, mentally or emotionally ready in my own mind to turn pro yet. Right. I hadn't been away from my family. I hadn't done all that stuff, you know? And so I set the bar so high, um, with Seattle, knowing that they weren't going to offer me what I was hoping for, which would make my decision easy to go to college. And how I got down to Tallahassee was the head coach of, of the Tallahassee Eagles, TCC, was the pitching coach for Team USA, the junior team. Right. So we had done a lot of... Um, like pre-tournament. Uh, yeah, pre-tournament uh, uh, games against USA to get ready for the championships in Curacao. Mm-hmm. We ended up playing, I think, USA, shoot, seven, eight times, you know, including those right, right. those exhibition games leading into the tournament. And, uh, you know, I'd played well, and and that's kind of how I got down to Tallahassee was was the pitching coach there um, with Team USA. And um, I got everything I wanted to right. out of college. I think I was trying to get as far away from home as possible, you know, thinking that that was the best route for me when really who knows, but – uh, it really helped me grow up. It helped me um, develop a routine, uh, become responsible for myself really for the first time in my life right? Right. and having to do my own laundry, cook my own food. But mainly I wanted to see, could I really compete? Right, right. And I had a, you know, I had a decent season uh, at a really good junior college conference. You know, the Panhandle right. Conference is well known as far as junior colleges right. go, right? Um, and uh, at that point, I knew I was ready to turn pro. Um, but I think if I didn't take that step in my life, you know, like that, that question, whether or not you belong in the back of your mind, I think, uh, I wouldn't have been the same player that, you know, I was, or that I ended up having that career if I would have just gone out of high school. Right. Um, because as, as you said earlier, I really struggled Mm. when I first went to professional baseball. What what do you uh, think that caused that struggle though? Like it was just lack of experience, lack of I think of- lack of experience and then being 18 years old and trying to dig yourself out of a hole right. in one game rather than understanding and people still struggle with this. Like I struggled with it at the end of my career with thousands of at bats, but understanding you're not going to be hitting 300 in one day. No, it's a process to get there, right? right. You got to trust the process instead of the outcome and it's cliche as it sounds one at bat at a time 
Right. You know, you're hitting 250 with 100 at bats or 200, and you're really struggling. Um, you start seeing your statistics on the big screen. You're not hitting 300 by the end of the game. I don't right, care right. what you think. Right. right. It's a process to get there, and it's just understanding what makes you successful, why you're there in the first place, and really grinding out at bat after at bat after at bat, rather than chasing something that is going to take weeks to get there. Right, you know. Right. So, um, to Sony, what the what do you remember about Saunders uh, in terms of, I guess, from your perspective of seeing him from high school to playing on multiple Team Canada events? Obviously, uh, you made the big leagues too. So you guys ran, I don't know if you guys ran into each other uh, at the same time, but uh, you've obviously seen him grow as a, as an 18-year-old kid or a 16-year-old kid to become you know, the Major League Baseball player he was. But what was, I guess, the, the memory or thing that you remember about uh sando um like when we were doing like showcase like i remember doing like the draft things out in white rock and stuff like that and, and langley then, and stuff yeah, yeah we were yeah. doing all that and like every, everybody's eyes were on saunders like i mm-hmm. said he's big big good looking guy and hit the ball far and but he was immature right he, <laughs> he, he was and no we doubt. all were but like yeah. that's why i think he rubbed guys the wrong way because he knew a lot of the eyes were on him and you know and you know, some stuff that he would say, I wouldn't say it was bad. Not, I don't remember what it was, but I think we, he could kind of was very, I'm not trying immature, to be immature, yeah, immature, yeah. a little yeah. cocky, which oh, is yeah. great. Cause yeah. that's what made him a good player. Right. Like he, he wanted to be, he knew he was the best and he was being the best on the right, field. Right? right. So, um, and then just like seeing him mature growing up and, and playing, I remember what, uh, I didn't get to see you in the minor leagues, but I followed you all the time. Like I would just kind of Google, Google your name, see how you're doing. I just like, you had like, you know, three for four with a Homer and then like you're hitting over 300 in AAA. And then like now he's in the big leagues and, and just kind of watching his, his progress. And we, you know, we, I don't know if we talked much during early in our career, like once we went pro, but, um, we ended up, uh, being in the big leagues together. We, they came, Seattle came into Minnesota and, uh, yeah, we went out for dinner. You remember what happened? Before I, walk, we w- I walked you guys off. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> nice. I also, he, he, I tried to set him out. He wouldn't say that himself, but uh, he had a walk off Jimmy against us. At no, home. no, no. It wasn't Jimmy. It was a, it was a double. Double. Yeah. After, off the wall. Yeah. Okay. Was, yeah. Yeah. Crowd was going crazy, and I was proud, man. Like we had just <laughs> lost the game, but I was like, "That's my boy." Nice. I was like, I was three for four that game, I think, and I hit, a, I had two doubles, and he, I hit one in the gap. Yeah. And, and I had uh, he dove down. and yeah. missed it. Yeah. And. uh I was like, oh, that was probably that extra beer I bought him the night before or something like that. But <laughs> he paid, so I had to, you know, <laughs> a little slower. But that yeah, day. like just seeing his career <laughs> yeah. and, and like what he, you know, continued to do and then what he did in Toronto and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, we're close friends now and, and you've always been a good player and, and just watching your bat just stay strong the whole time. And right. you pitch a lot when we were in high school too. And I always thought that may have been your route. Like even going to college, I think you pitch a little bit. A little bit of college. Yeah. A little bit. And then you just went yeah. straight. Yeah. Big athlete, right? So, I wish so I was that big. Seattle, going back to MLB, uh, you got drafted by Seattle, which is kind of like your hometown because I don't know if it's yeah. like right across yeah. the, the the border. Yep. Uh, I'm sure you were a Mariners fan growing up. Big, but as big well time, as big Griffey guy. A big Griffey oh, guy? Yeah. As well as a Toronto Blue Jay fan? Yeah, a so, bit. yeah like, so it's kind of cool, actually. You know, okay, the Blue Jays are definitely the hometown team, right. no matter where you're at in Canada, Canada right? Yeah. I know some people get annoyed by that. No. You know, Toronto's Canada's team. No, I truly believe it is because yeah. we had them on every single night. And what people, the average fan don't realize is you're playing 162 in like 180 days or something, right? right? So it's you're on brutal. every single night. The rare occasion that the Jays weren't on was pretty special. We got the Mariners games right. that night. Right. Um, but we never got Mariners games on TV growing up in Victoria. But the games that I would go see were, were Mariners games. You know, my dad right. would take me on the Clipper, you know, from downtown yeah, Seattle right, right, to downtown yeah. – or sorry, downtown Victoria to downtown Seattle, and we'd walk to, you know, Safeco or the yeah. King the Kingdom, you know, right. whatever it was back in the day. But Griffey was my guy, so that was that was like a real treat when right. when the Jays had a, a like a rare night off that right. the Mariners were on. So I got to, like you said, yeah, I, I got to play for my hometown team. I kind of got drafted by my hometown team despite the fact that – they were in the U.S. So you made your major league debut with the Mariners. With the Mariners, and yep. And you played how many seasons with the Mariners? So I made my debut in 09, um, and I got traded in the offseason of 15. Right. So, uh, and then 
you you signed with the Blue Jays. My real hometown team. Your real hometown yeah, team. Yeah. So yep. it's like that's like as a kid, that's like a dream come true because no now doubt. you yeah. signed with your first hometown team and yep. then now it's like the country's team. Yep. And then you have a fan base and I believe you've probably had your best season in Toronto, would you say? Sixteen, yeah. Uh, Two thousand sixteen. You, yeah. you were an all star that Blew year. Blew out my knee in fifteen. Um during spring training. I I had about a week of games during the season, but my knee just never responded and that was right. my season. And then sixteen uh was the best year of my career. What, what do you like? You blew out your knee, like ACL, or uh, so I, I, so I, my meniscus. Oh, I meniscus, tore my, okay. I tore my meniscus. I removed it, knowing that now I was like the middle part of my career at this right. point. I wouldn't say the latter, at least at the time. It turned out to be sort of the latter part of my career, but at the time I was viewing it like, hey, this is the middle part of my right, career. Right. Uh, and the doctors basically said, listen, man, like you have a bucket handle tear. And if anyone doesn't know what that is, your knee gets locked up. Right. Um, you're, you're going in there surgery. They can repair it, but you can do it again. Right. It's a six month sort of, uh, rehab process. Um, and it'll never be the same and it could happen again, or we could remove it and, you know, which I chose to do. And they said, it's more of, you know, a four week recovery process process right. you'll be fine but you're going to experience probably a knee replacement later in your career and so 20 that was 2015 that was and, 15, then, and yeah. then what was the mindset shift there because now it's like you you sustained a, a big surgery it, it was surgery yeah i ended up and re then removing it you removed because it. i was going for the the quicker process okay. i had just gotten traded i wanted to be on the field man right like i'd spent the last couple of years of my career with seattle injury bug prone you know right tearing obliques hamstrings this kind of thing and so what was the mind sh mindset shift that like i mean you go go from like being traded you know and then tearing having a pretty big injury and mm -hmm. then going to a new team and then putting up great numbers being an all-star making an impact on that fun 2016 team yeah so i so i i chose the quick route right i i decided after speaking to a lot of people and doing a lot of research, I wanted to remove my meniscus. Mm -hmm. So I ended up removing about 75% of it okay. um, and opting for the quicker rehab process because my mindset at the time was I just got traded over to this team. Mm -hmm. They're kind of a win now. Like if you look right. at their roster, it's, that was it, a win I know it's yeah. the, you know, the beast from the East, the AL East is yeah. a big division, but they're in win now. They traded for me to play left field every day. Um, I was so excited to be here and obviously be a part of the Blue Jays being Canadian that I opted to get the quick route, thinking that I could play, maybe miss a couple of weeks at the beginning of the season with rehab, right. um, needing probably an early knee replacement when I'm older. But I was thinking about the, like the here and the now, you yeah, know what right. I'm saying? Like, I don't care about my knee replacement when I'm 50 years old, like that'll right. come. But, um, and so I, I rehabbed, I got back, I came up and all of a sudden I'll never forget it. We were in the trap which is that old school, like hard turf, right? It's, it's basically this carpet that we're standing on right now. And I play three games and we're heading to Boston. My knee blows up, right? No pain, but you know, like swelling, yeah, ton of fluid, right. meaning it's protecting something. Right. right. And I couldn't even wear my knee brace anymore. I was a little bit worried. I wasn't sure what was going on, but I didn't want to tell anybody. I just got back from rehab. Right. And so playing Boston, finish those games and then i'll never forget it we go to cleveland all of a sudden it starts hurting and i'm limping around in cleveland they have me out in the outfield because eddie's dh and right. so there's no spot there and uh after every game i played there i would lay down on the training table in like cold sweats just thanking god i got through the game right i would re i refuse to go on the dl mm. so finally we get back to toronto they drained my knee they drained like 60 cc's out of my knee and that's a couple big vials um couldn't figure out what was going on. They ended up putting me on the DL. So here I am on the, now it's the IL, but here I am on the DL again. And I came from Seattle with that quote unquote sort of injury bug. Right. You know, so I was like devastated. I wanted to prove to the world that I could play and play every day. Um, the hardest part about that was nobody was telling me what was wrong with my knee. I was getting all these images, all these MRIs. Well, we think this, we think that, we think this, we think that, right? And so finally... Alex is like, you know what, dude, just, just go home, take a mental break, you know, go through your rehab. And I went, I went back to Colorado where I'm, where I currently reside. And I went up to Vail where Stedman Hawkins is. And now this guy's a world renowned knee specialist deals with skiers, Olympians, all sorts of stuff, common, common knee injuries. And he takes one look at my knee, he takes one look at the image and he goes, 
Oh yeah, dude, you got a bone bruise in your in your tibial plateau. I go, well, tell me what that means in layman's terms. He's like, well, you have a fracture mm-hmm. in your tibia, which is right below the knee. Right, you right. know, I'm like, will I ever recover? He goes, yeah, I see this all the time. I'm like, oh, thank God, right? <laughs> He's like, your season's done, but you will recover. Right. Everyone recovers at the at you know different different points, and so now going into 16. I've got a chip on my shoulder. I've got something to prove. I rehab my ass off. Like I'm, I'm in peak physical condition. And I had that sort of that mentality of like, listen, man, I'm going to show the world why Toronto traded for me. I'm going to show the fans of Canada why Toronto traded for me. And that was just a different mindset that I had that I've ever had in my career. You know, playing with that chip on my shoulder. And I felt like for the first time I was wanted, mm-hmm. you know, and that, right, right. that's an important feeling for people. To have that, that like, we went and got you for a reason. Go show the world what we see in you. You know, the Mariners might not see it, but we do. Right, right. right. So I had that sort of mindset. Um, and not only that, but, dude, I was a nobody in that lineup. I think I started in the eight hole for the opener. Um, ended up working my way to the top of the lineup. But, I mean, if you want to go up and down that lineup, it was Devin Travis hitting 300, leading off before he got injured. Josh Donaldson, MVP the year before. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion, Jose Batista, yeah, Troy Tulowitzki, Russell run. Martin. Wow. Yeah. That like, was, like uh, who am I? Like, that was the fun times <laughs> well, of Toronto. You know I what I'm saying? But coming yet. from coming from Seattle, like it was expected to produce because we had nobody. We right. had Corey, uh, not Corey, uh, Kyle, Kyle Seeger, Seeger, yeah, who was a mainstay, right. like great big leaguer, right? And that was it, right? So it's like we there was a lot of holes in the lineup, so. When you struggled, it was accentuated. Right. When you struggled, it was like a game and no big deal because someone picked up the slack. Right, right. right? And so there was so many superstars on that team um, that, you know, hitting's contagious. You hear that, right? Absolutely. It's so yeah. true, man. It's so true. It's so much easier to hit when there's always somebody on base, always someone in scoring position. Pitchers all – like when when in that, that 16 team, pitchers were throwing stress pitches from the first pitch of the game. Right, right. You know, yeah. that's the kind of pressure. And it started before the game even started. Mm-hmm. The fear that that lineup put in. So I was just. Yeah, that was. I was a fly on the wall, which made my job a lot easier. You know? But you put, I mean, you, you, you contributed, you know, very well to that team. I mean, you're a big. <laughs> piece of that team and that 2016 team i was a fan because i was watching Hard the games right and this place yeah. i mean this place went from fifteen thousand at the beginning right so i'm talking like halfway through the year it was sold out you couldn't find a ticket yeah. dude. and this right. place was rocking when that dome opened and it was sunny and hot like this place it was shaking right it was right. shaking i'll never forget when we had a home playoff game the roof was closed literally the place was shaking and you could feel it Right. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> That's Good awesome. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's go back to gears of Team Canada again because I, I like bringing that because there's such a different um, type of baseball from professional baseball to international baseball. We had conversations about this all weekend because we're we're talking about the WBC fight with Mexico and obviously Tassoni was a big part of that. You know, starting starting yeah, it was. That. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what would you say like is the difference between that like uh playing for your country and i'm not saying one is better than the other it's just it's different right so it's like you guys are both you know mlb you know players um uh ex-players so it's like you you got to experience both and maybe even highlighted more because we are canadian so there's not like if like it's just a lot more challenging let's just say if it was in the u.s for instance, to make a roster, a one-team roster of Team USA, we had more opportunity to experience international baseball, which is like a tight-knit family, mm-hmm. like we always say. But what what do you guys think is the biggest difference between kind of like someone who experiences uh, international baseball as opposed to just like that professional baseball? Did you ever play in the playoffs? In the big leagues? Oh, no, honest question. I don't mean, no, like <laughs> no, we had uh, nine nine losses that year. Though I was there, I only played half a year, so I didn't have a career like you did, my friend. But no, I was. I watched a lot, a lot of playoff games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, the, okay, so I would, I would relate like international baseball to playoff baseball. In the mm. Um, regular season is like, hey, we can, we got tomorrow. You get on a three or four day losing streak. Screw it. We got tomorrow, guys. No big deal. Like, tough series. You know, right. you're not going to win every series, even though that's the goal. 
Right. But we always got tomorrow. Right. And guys are sitting in their lockers, like feeling themselves if they had a three for four day, we got a loss, no big deal, right? However, playoffs is a lot similar to international, in my opinion, where every game counts. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you get four hits. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Yeah. I was saying this the other day, right? It's like, it's international baseball is here and now, and what can I do to win the game or help win the game if it's diving for a ball or getting a runner over? It didn't matter if uh, if I get four hits or not. It's not about the name on the back. Like, you're not making any money, right? Like, in the the major leagues and the minor leagues, like, you're playing – to feed your family right right international baseball is about playing for your country right and your boys yeah. like those yeah. are some of my most fond memories of baseball mm-hmm. are suiting up with the canadian jersey on and playing with guys like renee and going back to you know when we were 14 15 years old right. being like arch nemesis is to, to now it's like dude we got a common goal and I think that's honestly also what brought us together yep. as well. Right. It's, it's, the Baseball Canada. No doubt. Like the goal. And, 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 you know, we were everyone, in the outfield together with Team Canada on the junior team and yeah, stuff like that. Like communicating and, and you're and pulling for one another. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you, you hear it all the time, but like when you wear your, when you wear Canada, it's like everyone's rolling the oar with stream rather than one guy rolling up and for going sure. against the, the current, you know? So, so what, what would, leading to that, what would be your favorite? And even you to Sony after, like, what's your favorite, like, Baseball Canada moment? Like, or memorable? Or, yeah, like- I think one that really sticks out is is the game in Taiwan uh, in 07. I think it was the last qualifier oh, yeah, for the Olympics was, in 08. That was wild. It was unbelievable. It was that you had to be there to experience it. Right. Uh, I, I will not do this story justice, but I'll do my best. So, <laughs> I, were you on that team? No, that was my first year was 09. <laughs> I was again. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here on the struggle list. I did get ten years on the team, but mine started later. Heck than you. yeah, yeah, dude! You lasted longer than I did. Well, you spent more time in the show, so <laughs> I had more um, opportunities to play on the the national team. So okay, so we're in Taiwan, right? And we're playing Taiwan, and yeah. we're playing in front of thirty five thousand, forty thousand yeah. people. Okay, so this is my first real experience with playing in front of that kind of a magnitude of a crowd, um, and. Uh, this is a must-win game. It's when you're going to the Olympics, lose, you're going home. This is the qualifiers for Olympics, for yeah. Beijing, for Beijing. Beijing 08, right? right? Okay. And this is legit. You win, you're going to the Olympics. Everyone's right. dream, right? Right. You lose, like, sorry, you're right. out. See ya. You're not going anywhere. So it's uh, it's like a up. Uh, we take the lead, they come back, tie it up. They take the lead, we come back, tie it up. It's And it is like from pitch one, we're upper tank like we're on on the on the the top step like we're into this game we know we know what's you know at stake here and um i think we were we were down a run i was actually on first base with one out first and third taylor made double play to get out of the inning we'll still be down one and i'm coming in hard and um, it, you know, back where the old rules, as long as you're touching the base, like it's fair game. Right. Right. So the shortstop takes the long way more towards the outfield. Thank God for my length. <laughs> I'm reaching out the bags over here. I stick my long lanky leg out like this and he's jumped in the air and I clip him and he does a front flip, loses the ball. Sorry. It was first and second loses the ball runner from second ends up scoring the right. tie and run with two outs right? because the ball trickles away into the outfield kind of thing. Crowd is going nuts. Like I don't know what they're saying, but I am the most <laughs> hated loud. man. I'm the yeah. most hated man in Taiwan at, at this moment. Uh, we tie the game up. It's like the sixth inning, something. We're all pumped, you know, everything like that. Um, things keep keep going, right? So now we have the go ahead run, same inning. I think we have the go ahead run on second base. It was actually Van Austin. Yeah, it was Jimmy's on second base. Right. Um, someone hits a knock to right field. Two outs, right fielder comes up, hoses. hoses him, right? And he is hosed. But like any good third base coach is like, hey, let's make him make the play. It's just two outs we're sending right. him. He was done by like halfway, dude, between <laughs> he's not, third and home. He's play. not the quickest guy. Either. No, right? JVO is not the quickest <laughs> but guy. But this is the go-ahead run late in the but game. Like or sixth, seventh yeah. inning, something like that. And so he's going. He sees he's out by a mile. You can see he's like getting ready to truck the guy, but he's like, no, like it's not even a close play. And kind of goes and sort of like holds back. They kind of tumble together, hits him a little bit. And then the catcher, and whatever, all good, 
He throws his hand up with the ball like this to the right. crowd, and the crowd's going nuts, uh, right? Yeah. Tie game, everything <laughs> like that. So we're not thinking anything of it. Jimmy looks at him like, what the, f-? you know, one of these. And then it's like, okay, collects himself, starts walking out. The catcher tosses the ball, the ball into his chest. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know that. And so that's what gets everyone going. We're like, <laughs> okay, like what the, f-? you know, this kind of thing. And um, something happens. There's like a little scuffle. We start coming, kind of coming out, feeling out the situation. They start kind of coming out, feeling out the situation. All of a sudden, I don't know where that ball went, but all of a sudden, this ball gets flung into our dugout. Oh, so through it. <laughs> it smokes Denny Boucher. <laughs> Boucher. Of course. He's always the guy, right? Yeah. He's always the guy. Always the guy. Smokes Denny Boucher. And like, in true Denny fashion, he's first one out of the dugout. <laughs> he doesn't know who threw it. He's finding somebody. So we're like, we got to follow him, right? And we're heading out. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, it, it escalated to about 15 minutes of jarring and all this kind of stuff. And, but what ended up happening after that was the game got delayed for like 45 minutes to an hour because fans started throwing full beer cans from upper tank. Wow. Right. Like if that hits us in the head, it's not a solo yeah, cup. It's a, a full beer can. Dude, you're dead. That's a yeah. You're dead. Right. Knocked out. And so the fans are, are like getting ready to come on the field and it's, once again, Team Canada versus the world, right? Um, one of the one something hits Steve Green. All right, Steve Green grabs a fungo, and he's going in the stands. He climbed into the stands. He's going into the stands, <laughs> and I can't remember who grabbed. If he goes in that stands, he's dead. Right. I'm telling you, he is dead. We're not seeing Steve Green again. Someone grabbed him, luckily, and and pulls him back. But like he was, he was gone. They brought in the riot police. Oh, yeah. I'm talking like riot shields and shit. Wow. And they got on top of the dugouts, making sure fans weren't rushing the field. Okay. And so the game's obviously delayed. It's a tie game. You can, I'm trying to paint the picture so you guys feel like, yeah, I'm, 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 right I'm like, I'm grabbing on We my go like, now. we go. So it, it's a big league stadium. So we go down into the tunnel, which leads to our, our clubhouse, right? And it's covered. You know, the fans yeah. are on top of us. It's like a big league stadium. Finally, everything gets quiet. The riot police are still there, right? We have to finish this game. This is for the Olympics. Yeah. We go back out. I'm thinking it might be the eighth inning now, something like that. We go up, okay? We're on the road. We go up, all right? Um, so we're up one run or something like that in the ninth inning. We get two quick outs. You can feel the emotions. Hammy. Guys, 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 if we win, if we win, just go. Just go in under the dugout, all this kind of stuff, right? So closer strike three we're like fuck that we're going <laughs> and so we charge the field we start jumping up and down on the on the on the mound and we're like middle fingering the crowd and all this kind of stuff and i can only picture what hammy was like dude but that is like i mean been to the olympics this right. kind of that to me is the most memorable moment we're talking about the canada mexico fight yeah, like yeah, this one, this one might have been Canada Mexico on steroids, but you just can't find it because it's yeah, not yeah. on. No, I, there there are if, clips there. Yeah, you, you had to, to feel yeah, it. Yeah, you know, it was us versus ta- like Taiwan, the country. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? crazy. It was a meaningful game too, no right? Doubt. Which makes that, it way we, more that game, magnified. That game, we went to the Olympics. Yeah, and exactly. Taiwan went home. Yeah. you know, it was unbelievable, man. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, honestly, <laughs> you did the story justice oh. i'm sweating here oh, because dude. it's like intense yeah right i i'm i'm to the point where i don't even want to hear to sony's story oh, dude, no, i think I, I think you can't no. the story kind of continues right so it takes i don't us even about, want to go after it that go, yeah. it takes us about two hours to leave the stadium because they're trying to get everyone out fans aren't leaving right fans are like waiting for us to come out yeah. we get escorted into our bus we have police escorts taking us back to the hotel escorting us into the hotel if you've been to taiwan mm-hmm. it's not a lot of cars it's more like motorcycles right, right. and scooters Scooters. and stuff people are throwing beer bottles at our bus <laughs> like middle finger like following us dude. oh yeah and we had police escorts because of that it took us about two hours to leave the stadium That's for wild. our safety so i'm just glad i'm kind of sitting here today with you guys yeah, like, no, that, I mean, taiwan's a safe country too <laughs> Yeah, I think it is. I is it? Yeah, I appreciate it. Didn't it didn't seem like it. Yeah. Overall, I pretty think safe. It's a pretty yeah. safe country. So that, but like, they the, love their baseball. The, the, yeah, they do. They, like, love their, they take their baseball very seriously. Yeah. You probably had, what, 30, 40,000 fans there, maybe? Uh, yeah, say? I think they said something around 35, 40. Yeah. It probably sounded it was, like 80. Oh, dude. oh yeah, so loud. Definitely. It was, the, yeah. it was my first real experience playing in front of a crowd. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that kind of led to my memory as well about, like, this is a pretty special moment. That's wild, man. No, I appreciate you sharing that story. And, you know, like... 
I, I want to keep talking, but like for me, it's like this. I think that's a good place to end it uh, because I like to me, the stories are so priceless when it comes no to like international baseball. I'm sure professional baseball is the same way, but you know, I hear these stories all the time and like, I'm always like, how do we capture it so that we just do, do the story justice. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's uh, kind of like our job here to kind of, um, I get, guess, extrapolate the story from the perspective of guys like yourself. So I appreciate you guys, uh, coming in, telling your stories, you know, even the background pieces of kind of like, we haven't really talked in depth, uh, this much, uh, ever, I don't think. So it's always good to, you know, have these conversations. So like really grateful for, uh, spending this time with yeah, us. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for what you guys got going on here. I think uh, it could be something special. And it's what it's what the, the fans and the people need, honestly. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome, man.